All right. Hey, what's up, church family? How you doing? It's good to see you. I want to welcome all of our other campuses right now. So good to be with you. And uh, I want to welcome uh, my man Petey right here. And uh, uh, if you uh, don't know who this uh, gentleman is standing uh, next to me, this is Petey Kinder. Petey has served on our team for uh, the better part of a decade and is a really good friend. And one thing that... Um, uh, if you're relatively new to our church, that you need to know about us is that we uh, want to be a part of what God is doing uh, all over the world. And uh, we believe that God's not just at work in our church, but that he's involved all over the world. We want to be a part of it by uh, investing financial resources, by sharing what we're learning with others to encourage them, and by sending people. And uh, over the last 20, 25 years or so, that's been one of the defining characteristics of this church is that we just raise up and send people out. They're literally serving all over the world. And we get another opportunity to do it. And uh, several weeks ago, I was able to have Petey and his wife, Brittany, up on this stage. And um, if you were not here, if you were not aware of it, Petey has served in a variety of roles on our team. And uh, God is calling them to move out to Colorado Springs, Colorado, where he's going to serve as the lead pastor of a great church out there called Red Rock Church. And so uh, we're sad to see him go, but we're excited for uh, what God's going to do in and through them. And uh, Petey and I have been talking about this for a number of years and uh, knew that this was coming. And I've uh, been praying and planning for it. And uh, Brittany, I just want to thank you for the way that you've served our church uh, so eloquently and with such wisdom behind the scenes. We just love and appreciate you so much. Can we give it up for Brittany? And, uh, and they're three beautiful children as well. We just uh, want to love on them with everything we've got before they leave. And uh, they're going to be pulling out of town uh, November 30th. But today's the last time for Petey uh, to, to share with us a message. And so uh, I wanted to come up and just uh, kind of pray a prayer blessing over him and really send him out uh, with our absolute best. And uh, Petey, I've said all this to you privately, but I want to say it publicly in front of our church family. Uh, you are a great leader. Uh, you're an awesome communicator, and you're a better friend. And um, you are legitimately the same guy on this stage that you are off of it. And, uh, you know, you yell, let's go, true. like just when it was just the two of us, and, uh, you know, in a room and together. And, uh, Petey, uh, I'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to what God's going to do in and through you uh, out in Colorado Springs. Um, uh, this is goodbye, but... Uh, it's not, you know, see you forever. You know, we're going to continue to be in communication. And uh, I can't wait to get the phone calls from you where you're panicking about problems that you're trying to navigate. And, and I'm going to actually relish those moments. Actually, I, I will soak, soak that in. And so uh, what I want to do is I just want to pray over Petey. At all of our campuses, I want you to join in with this and do whatever's comfortable for you. If you just want to raise up kind of a hand in his general direction, if you want to be open-handed, the whole idea is we're lifting him up. And uh, so we just want to send him out with our blessing. Father, we come to you right now. I thank you for this guy right here and just uh, the way that you've worked in and through his life uh, to call him to this place. Thank you for um, how he has invested into our church. I know that there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of people whose lives have been impacted uh, by Petey, uh, his messages, his leadership, and his friendship. And so, God, we just send him out with our absolute blessing. We pray that their hearts would be full as they leave and that you would do a tremendous work uh, in and through the church in Colorado Springs. We love you and thank you that uh, you're a God who, who sends. And so today we send them with our love. We ask this right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, would you give it up for Petey one last time as he rips it? Come on, man. Good grief. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? <laughs> Ryan Bramlett, you were too much. Oh. Man, church, y'all are crazy. So good. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't even know how to, how to start now. But uh, just thanks, man. Thanks so much for... Uh, so many good things, Whew, man. Whew. <clears throat> you all are by far uh, the most encouraging and, and supportive congregation I've ever been a part of at all campuses. I mean, this is it's just such a special place. And, uh, and I've seen God do things here in just the, the seven years I've been here that are so incredible that I, I mean, I plan on telling my grandkids one day stories about the church I got to serve at in Indianapolis. This is just such an incredibly special place. And I uh, <clears throat> love you guys like crazy. And um, whew, whew. I'm gonna miss you guys like that's on. You have, you have to clap every time I cry. It's not, it's not a. We've gotta shut this down at some point, okay? Um, but no, super thankful for y'all. Y'all have meant a ton to my family, and, and, and you've really um, helped me grow into a better man, better husband, better father, a better leader, pastor, preacher, all of it. Because of my time here, uh, y'all have made, y'all have really blessed our family. And, and huge props, and we need to celebrate, and I need to thank publicly the guy that was just on this stage. I mean, Aaron, uh, he, you need to know that he is such a rare leader in the sense that um, he, he allows young up-and-coming leaders the freedom and the room to lead and the permission to lead and to grow and to fail. And, and he is just always encouraging and cheerleading behind the scenes. Um, and and I, I, there's no way I would be who I am if it wasn't for the investment that Aaron has made into my life. He is just an incredibly special leader. So, man, let's show some honor and some celebration to our lead pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. So this is like, this is it. This is like kind of like a goodbye tour, like the goodbye tour 2019. Um, and so I thought of a lot of different ways I could take this message. You know, I thought, I thought about doing a sermon um, about like encouragement and comfort, how God comforts those that are hurting. I, I, thought, I thought about going that way because I thought it'd be a good like nod to the IU basketball fan base that I've poked fun at all these years. <laughs> it's a rough life you guys live. And I wanted to make sure to give you a hug <laughs> before I leave. I thought, no, no, I won't do that. I thought, I thought maybe I'd do a sermon about like spiritual transformation, about how, man, if you'll follow Jesus, everything can change in your life. And like, you know, years from now, you may look nothing like what you look like right now. And, and in that sermon, if I'd gone that route, I, I, I was going to use this illustration and, and involved our own, our very own Aaron Brockett. Because if you go back in the years and look at him versus now, I mean, my, my dude's aging like a fine wine. Age is just a number to that dude. My man went Cole's dad to CrossFit dad. It's a transformation, y'all. No, I'm kidding. Come on, you know, you know I wasn't going to get up here and have a little bit of fun with you before we leave. Had to. 
Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get, uh, grab it and get to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, didn't bring one, no sweat. We'll have the words on the screen for you uh, as well. But uh, the, 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 the title of the message I want to preach to you today is a message that God's been working over in my heart these past few months. The, the title of it is Descend into Greatness. All right, Descend into Greatness. Because uh, I, I believe that no matter where you are on the faith spectrum, like no matter if you're here and it's your first time and you aren't sure what you think about God or Jesus or church or any of it, or if you're here and you've been following Jesus for many years and you consider yourself a, a long-term Christian, uh, no matter where you are in, in, on, on that continuum, all of us are on a great search for significance. We're all on a quest for greatness with our lives. I, I think maybe the best way to phrase it is that nobody wants an empty funeral. Right? None of us want to get to the end of our days and, and no one shows up to pay their respects. No one shows up to tell stories of, of the life we live and the, and the impact that we had on them. Nobody wants an empty funeral. And, and the good thing for us is that God doesn't want you to have an empty funeral either. That, that God actually created you with greatness in mind. That, that God did not just like slap you together with very low attention to detail like, like I do my kids' peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. All right, come on. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. You just get a bread. You slap a little peanut butter, slap a little jelly, put the pieces together, rub it together to even it out, send them on their way. That's not how God created you. That God actually put way more care and attention and, and detail into you when he made you. Ephesians 2 says that you are God's craftsmanship that you are his handiwork. Psalm, Psalm 139 says that you were knit together in your mother's womb and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that the works of God are wondrous. So you, you were created with greatness in mind. God, God, God wants, you, wants your life to be significant. That's one of the reasons he made you. Right? But the, the problem is that the path we all take to greatness, the path we always travel to significance, always leaves everyone unsatisfied. The, the path we travel to greatness, it, it doesn't matter who you are or what you believe in, the path we travel to greatness always leaves us unsatisfied. It's this, this up and to the right mentality. Like our, 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 our world tells us that if you want to be significant, if you want to be great, you've got to achieve. You've got to earn. You've got to perform well. You've got to be top of your class. You've got to be best in your field. You've got to aspire. You've got to ascend to greatness. You've got to, like, greatness from the world is about how far up and how far to the right can you take your life. And we learned this from a young age. I, I, I see this because I see it in my eight-year-old son already. Just this last week, he asked me an epic question. I will never forget it. It's one of my favorite parenting moments ever. We're driving down the road. We're listening to music. We're... We weren't talking about anything. We weren't talking about like purpose in life. We weren't having some like deep spiritual conversation. Out of nowhere, he says, hey, dad, I got a question. I said, yes, yeah, son. He said, should I be a professional football player first or a rapper first? I'm like, that's a good question. And you are, I love where your mind is going, okay? I said, well, son, here's what you need to do. You need to take advantage of your body when it's its strongest and it's not banged up yet. So your teenage years and your 20s, be a professional football player. Save your rap career for your 30s and 40s. And he was like, okay, okay, got it. Then he asked a follow-up question, which was my favorite question. He goes, okay, got it, got it. Professional football player first. But question, can I be a rapper and a preacher at the same time? <laughs> it's like, my dude, 
You are literally living the exact life that I want. I love it. You are shooting for, what, for who I wanted to be in life. I love it. But you see, he's, he's already got, got in his mind that if he's going to be great, if he's going to be significant, he's got he's to achieve some things. He, he's got to push his, his life as far up and to the right as he can. And it leaves all of us unsatisfied. See, because if you're here and you're young, you're maybe just getting started into your career, maybe you just got out of college and you're in your first big boy, big girl job. You aren't satisfied yet, right? Because your life is not as far up and to the right as you want it to be, and you're working, you're grinding, you're trying to push it as far, you're trying to go, right? So you're, you're unsatisfied. Now, but what happens, though, is when you're older, you realize, you know, come on, those of us that are aged up in the room, you know this, that you didn't get to take your life as far to, up and to the right as what you thought you could, <laughs> And so you end up kind of like adjusting your definition of greatness and kind of settling for a little less than what you had previously dreamed of. And truth be told, you're, you're a little bit unsatisfied. You've got a little bit of an unsettled feeling about where your life has ended up. And, and also, even, even for those of us that accomplish a ton, right? Like for those of us that, that ascend the mountain of greatness, you're top of the class, you're best in your field, you've, you've made a ton of money, you're successful, everything's great. Come on, if that's you right now, you know what I'm about to say is true. It's never enough. It doesn't matter how far up and how far to the right you go, you get to the top of that mountain and you say the same thing every time. Is this it? Is this, is this all I was made for? And, and we're all left unsatisfied and we're all left wondering, did I fulfill my purpose in life? Was this, was this it? And so, but the, the, the good news though is that Jesus has a way better option for us. That in Jesus' kingdom, where, where everything's backwards, I mean, the whole thing, the, 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 the kingdom he invites us into is so different than this world. It's so backwards. Jesus has a path to greatness. And it's such good news for all of us today because it, 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 his path to greatness means that greatness is actually within your reach no matter what your life looks like today. No matter if you're just starting out and you're trying to push up and to the right or you're way up on top or maybe you're down at the bottom left. Maybe life has been crashing down. According to Jesus, greatness and significance is well within your reach. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 2. We're going to read a little bit and talk a little bit. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. It says this. John the Baptist. John the Baptist who was in prison... He had heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. He said, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and tell him what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And good news is being preached to the poor. And, and tell him that God blesses those who don't turn away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What, what kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see, Jesus says to the crowds. Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or, or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, 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 no. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and, and he's more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. See, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, 
none is greater than John the Baptist. What a line that Jesus says about him. Of all who have lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. We got a thing or two to learn about greatness from John. Now, if you're unfamiliar with John, uh, uh, the Baptist was not his last name. The Baptist was a nickname. Okay, John got the nickname the Baptist because he baptized people. John's primary thing in life was to get people ready for Jesus, to prepare the way for the people of God to recognize the Messiah, the one who's going to save us, to recognize him when he comes. Prepare the way for Jesus. And so John the Baptist was kind of like the ultimate hype guy for Jesus, right? Like he was just a passionate, bold dude. And there are a lot of things about John that when you think of greatness, John had a lot, a lot of the characteristics that we think of when we think of a great leader. See, John, John was a bold vision caster. See, John, John would stand up out, out, out in the wilderness and thousands would come to hear him. And John had this bold vision that he declared it over and over and over. John's message was the same time and time again. And he would boldly declare it. He would stand up in front of people and say, someone is coming who is greater than me. So much greater than me that I am unworthy to be his slave or even carry his sandals. Someone's coming. You got to get ready. Like th this was, and he would boldly declare it in front of people. And not only was he a bold vision caster, which is what we expect from, from greatness, from leaders, right? He also had this, this other quality about him where like great leaders have clarity in the midst of uncertainty, right? Like a, like a great leader, when everyone else is confused, a great leader can just kind of like cut through it see through the fog and say, this is the direction we should go. See, John had that. In, in, in a time when the people of God were all waiting on the Messiah to come, and there were Messiahs popping up left and right. There were people standing up and saying, I'm the Messiah, follow me. Follow. No, no, John said, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. He saw Jesus coming. He said, everybody stop. And in front of thousands of people, he said, right there, look. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one I was talking about. And he, I mean, just boldly declares it. He goes all in. I mean, what a great leader. And, and, and you would expect that from the beginning of his ministry, right, when he's preaching to thousands out in the wilderness, preparing the way, boldly telling people who Jesus is, and, and then you fast forward to the end of his life, and here's Jesus saying to a crowd of people, among all who've ever lived, John is the greatest. You would think that between these two bookends of his life, that the life that was lived in between would have been up and to the right. Right, like you think, if Jesus is the greatest and he started off so strong, I mean, surely John just ascended into greatness. <laughs> surely he landed the book deal. Surely he wrote about how to be a prophetic voice in the wilderness. I mean, surely, surely he made a ton of money being a consultant of other young up-and-coming leaders saying, here's how you do it, let me, let me teach you. Right? Like, like surely John just, just sailed off into retirement with all of his grandkids around him. All of his grandkids named with the you know, first letter of their name being J. Like John, John the first, John the second, John the third. Joey, Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt, Jessica. Like on down the line. And all of his grandkids are like, oh, grandpa, grandpa. Because their grandpa's the legendary one that Jesus said was the greatest. Right? You just expect up and to the right. But instead... Here's John, at the end of his life, about to be murdered. Weeks after this, he would be beheaded for refusing to be silent in the face of injustice, for doing what God put him here to do. Here's John at the end of his life, and it hasn't gone up and to the right. 
he's in prison. His, his leadership has been taken away. His platform removed. His voice silenced. His effectiveness neutralized. It's not going up and to the right. And, and, and what's even more than that is there, here's this hero of the faith who stood up in front of thousands of people and said, he's the one I was talking about, is now alone in a prison cell asking, are you the one I was talking about? Because I don't know anymore. Here's a hero of the faith having a crisis of faith at a rock bottom moment, and he is questioning everything. He doesn't know what's up and what's down. And his life, his life wasn't supposed to turn out like this. Right? And, and maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've been there when you got punched in the gut with a circumstance in your life that you never expected. Maybe, maybe it's when your spouse walked out on you. And, and, and your life was supposed to go one way, but now all of a sudden it's all come crumbling down. And, and you don't even know what's up anymore. You don't know how to make sense of this. Maybe it was when you got called into your boss's office, didn't know what the conversation was going to be about, and you found out that you were losing your job, no idea what you're going to do financially. Maybe, maybe that was it, and you just walked out of there going, I'm questioning everything. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting everything. Maybe it was an unexpected diagnosis, an, an unexpected call from a loved one about another loved one, and it just rocked you to your core. Maybe it was the addiction that you, you, you promised yourself you would never go back there. You would never do that thing to cope with stress again. But there you are, high again. There you are, drunk again. There you are, binge eating again. There you are, looking at the things that you said you'd never look at again. Like, you ever been there? Where life, life was not supposed to be like this. Your external circumstances are nothing like what you dreamed they would be. And your inner emotions, your inner turmoil, are, it's just life wasn't supposed to be like this. And if, if you're there right now, or you've been there recently, you need to take great comfort in this. That the man that Jesus said was the greatest to ever live was right there in this moment. That if you're there and that's happened to you or you're in that moment, that does not mean that greatness is out of your reach. John is in this moment, and Jesus says that he's the greatest to ever live. And I love, I love what Jesus says to the crowds in this moment. Because this is a real pivotal moment for Jesus. Because he, he, this is a very interesting situation. Because here it is, John the Baptist, the hype guy, the guy that's supposed to be so confident about Jesus, the guy that's supposed to, to, to prepare the way. And he's having a crisis of faith, and, and, and Jesus just learned about it, and all the crowds just learned about it. All the crowds of people just heard that a hero of the faith is questioning everything. And so I'm sure the crowds are thinking, if John's questioning everything, if John doesn't even know if he believes in you anymore, why should I believe in you? And, and Jesus turns to the crowds, and I love what he says in this moment. Back up with me for just a second. He says this. He turns to the crowds in this moment. And he says, wait, wait, wait. What kind of man did you go in the wilderness to see? W was he a weak reed? Swayed by every breath of wind? Was he, was he just like pandering to the crowds? Like, did you expect to see somebody playing politics, just trying to get your vote? Like, did you expect to see someone just telling people what they wanted to hear so they'd be liked? No, 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 no. 
Or or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes, flaunting his success, flaunting his authority, flaunting his prominence? No, no, no. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet, someone who's revered everywhere they go? So like when, when, when they walk in, the red carpet's rolled out for them. Well, that didn't happen, but he is a prophet. He's actually more than a prophet. It says, John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. See, I'll tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. It's as if Jesus turns to the crowds in this moment. He's like, did you... Did you expect to see greatness the way the world sees it? Like, did you expect to see, like, the guy that I told you was great, the guy that you knew was going to be great, did you expect it to look like the world defines greatness? Like, up and to the right? Psh, get out of here, man. That's, that's not how it works in my kingdom. See, in Jesus' kingdom, you don't ascend to greatness. It's not up and to the right. You see, Jesus says, John the Baptist, his, his purpose, I love that Jesus connects it to his purpose. He says his purpose was to come and prepare the way for me. And he said, I'm telling you, none's greater than John the Baptist because John the Baptist fulfilled the purpose for which he was created no matter the cost. No matter the cost. It it didn't matter how hard it got. John the Baptist knew what he was supposed to do and he sacrificed everything. See, we've got to learn from this that, that if you want your life to be significant, if you want to achieve greatness, if you want to make a difference with your life, it will always come at a cost. You cannot achieve anything significant in this world without paying a cost for it. You can't do it without sacrificing them. Go back and look at the greatest things that have happened in human history. They've all come because someone made a sacrifice. Someone was willing to pay a price. Someone was willing to get uncomfortable and do the thing that no one else was willing to do. Go back and look at the people that you revere from your family. Who've had the funerals where everyone shows up and tells stories about their life. Go back and look at their lives. They will all have this one thing in common. They were willing to make sacrifices. They were willing to put others first. They they were willing to go the distance and do things that no one else would do. You see, in God's kingdom, you don't ascend to greatness. You descend into greatness. You open your hands up. You say, God, I'll give you whatever I have, more and more, progressively throughout your life. God, I'll give you more. God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do, where, I'll, I'll do whenever you want. I'll do it wherever you want. God, whatever you want from me, I surrender my whole life to you. God, I'll, I'll get uncomfortable. I'll, I'll say things that, you never, that I never thought I would say before. I'll do things I never dreamed of doing. God, you have my whole life, and you can take it and do whatever you want. And in that moment, when you have complete and total surrender, maximum sacrifice, then God can take you and use your life and make an incredible difference. See, but we, we don't like that, though. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, come on, that all sounds like inspirational and good. But like, we don't like that. That doesn't sound good to us. One, one preacher that I listen to often, his name's Erwin McManus. He, he was preaching this summer and I was listening to it on, on, in, in my, on, on my headphones. And I was on my bike on the Monon. I was riding along. And he said this line and I had to pull over. It was just such an impactful line. I had to pull over and just think about it. I had to go to the bathroom too, so that was part of it. But it was a very well-timed convicting line. But he said this line, and I've been processing through it all summer. He said, we all want maximum impact, but we want it with minimum sacrifice. And we spend our lives negotiating the deal between those two. We, we spend our lives figuring out how little can I sacrifice, but still make a difference? How little can I give up? 
and still do what God created me to do? How, 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 how little amount of pain do I have to endure in order to make a difference? We, we, we want maximum impact, but we want it with minimum sacrifice, and we spend our lives negotiating the deal between those two, but that is not how greatness works in the kingdom of God. If you want your life to be significant and to, and to make a difference, you've got to go maximum sacrifice. Maximum impact requires maximum sacrifice. But I'm telling y'all, we do not like it. We don't like this. Because the thing we don't like to talk about in church world is that sacrifice super hurts. <laughs> I love how we do this. Like, oh, come on, man. I, I'm, I'm a pastor, and so I'm like guilty of this. I'm just as guilty of this as, as anybody. We, we come up with clever phrases to make sacrifice feel better. Right? Like, we must give up the things we love for the things we love even more. <laughs> I love that line. I've used that line. But, like, let's just face the reality. If you give up something you love, even if it's for something you love even more, it hurts. Sacrifice hurts. Uh, for those of you that are serving in kids' ministry at any of our campuses, you know this. <laughs> You know this better than anyone. As you wipe the poopy butts of the next generation, you know that sometimes you're in there serving in a classroom and you're like, man, I wish I could do just about anything else with my Sunday morning than this, right? As you watch the, the bad parenting decisions of an entire church play out in a, police, a, a preschool cl classroom brawl over a stupid toy, you're like, oh my gosh. Sacrifice hurts. For those of you that give financially, to support the mission of the local church, like right there with you. But, I mean, that hurts at times. You know, like at, at, at the end of the year, the church will send you kind of your, your year-end giving statement, like how much you've given for the year for tax purposes and all that. And my, my wife and I always look at that together, and we always praise God for it. We celebrate Like, man, look at, you know, we, we, we were able to give this much, and look at all the life change that happened, and we celebrate it. And that's like the, you know, that's the, that's the majority of me. That's like the Christian, Holy Spirit, Jesus-loving pastor guy that's like, Praise God for all the life change that our money was able to do. Then there's like this other side of me. Let's just get real for a second. This other side of me looks at it. I'm like, we could have used that money for many other things. <laughs> and it would have been nice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Come on, don't act like you don't do the same. Because sacrifice hurts, right? It hurts to give. For those of you that are caring for, for foster kids, if you're a foster family right now, you know this, that with maximum impact requires maximum sacrifice, and sacrifice just hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I mean, come on. Our, my, my, my family's decision to move to Colorado and to lead a church, to step out and do this, the, no doubt we're excited about it. Oh, my gosh. Can't tell you how excited we are. So excited. We're praying and believing that God is going to do out there like a, a fraction of what we've seen happen here. I mean, I'm praying that that happens. But you're crazy if you think I wake up every day, like, full of confidence and courage and, like, everything's going to be fine. The best is yet to come. Onward, family. <laughs> Get out of here, man. There are days I wake up and I'm like, what are we doing again? <laughs> We're doing what? There are days when I'm, I'm consoling my wife through tears. And I'm consoling my kids through tears. And then there are days when they're consoling me through tears. Because leaving your family, <laughs> leaving your friends... Leaving a church like this, it's hard. It hurts. Sacrifice hurts. And sometimes sacrifice has a way of just like disorienting you. 
Like sometimes you give and, and you give and you step out into God's calling for your life. You do what you think you're supposed to do. And there are times that it just internally just feels like, what am I doing? And then there are times when your external circumstances don't like go up and to the right. And you're sitting there thinking like, man, God, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know anymore. I don't know what's up and what's down. And we end up in the same place that John the Baptist was. That John the Baptist was sitting in a prison cell alone about to die. And he's asking, God, am I, even, am I even doing what you created me to do? Am I even fulfilling my purpose? And, and don't get it wrong, that's the question that John's really asking here. You see, when John says, sends his messengers, say, hey, go ask Jesus this question. Ask him, are you the Messiah we've been waiting on or should we be expecting someone else? That question is partially about whether or not Jesus is the Son of God. Way more so about John saying, did I fulfill my purpose? Did I do what I was created to do? You can see, John, John's purpose was told to him at a very young age. His parents, his grandparents, his friends, everyone knew that John's purpose in life was to prepare the way for the Messiah, help the people of God see who God in the flesh is. And John has gone all in on Jesus. And he sacrificed everything for him. And it hurts and it didn't go up into the right, it went down into the left. And here he is saying, God, did I fulfill my purpose? Did I do what you created me to do? Because I don't know anymore. And I think it's a question that many of us ask. I think all of us ask it at some point in our lives. I think many of you are asking it right now. Like, God, I never expected my life to end up like this. What, am, am I on the right track? Am I fulfilling my purpose? And let me tell you, that's a complicated question. It's a complicated question. A lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. A lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. You know, like, like most good questions. Like if you want to lose weight, you want to get in shape, you want to get strong, that's a big question. A lot of factors. really depends on who you ask. You ask the keto crowd, they're going to give you one answer. You go paleo crowd, you go Whole30 crowd, you go, you know, vegan crowd, the vegetarian crowd, the pescatarian crowd, the beeritarian crowd. Is, is there a beer-based diet? <laughs> Asking for a friend, not for me. <laughs> you want to go CrossFit? You want to go Jazzercise? Is that a thing still? You want to go Orange Theory? You want to go wait? I, I, I don't know. Depends on who you ask. Complicated question. A lot of factors. You know, maybe, maybe you're dating right now. And, uh, and you're wondering, is he the one or is she the one? That's a super complicated question. <laughs> a lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. You ask his friends, they're going to say, oh, he's the one. Great dude. You ask your friends, they might say, ah, you could do better. You ask your ex, they're probably going to say something different. You ask your parents, I guarantee you, your daddy got a different answer. Okay. <laughs> It's complicated. A lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. And, and your life, you fulfilling the purpose of your life is a complicated question. And there's a lot of factors. And it really depends on who you ask. Because, see, I could, I could paint your life in one of two ways, no matter where it is. Let's say you're up and to the right right now. 
Let's say you're listening to this and your life is just incredible. I mean, you're like successful, you are wealthy, you are set up, all your relationships are good. And man, like, like your external circumstances are great and your internal emotions are just settled and at peace. I mean, you are sleeping so good. You lay in your big old head on your big old pillow every night and it's good. Well, that could be that you're enjoying the blessings of God because you're right smack dab in the middle of his will for your life. It could be that you're enjoying the fruits of great decision-making because you've been following God and you're just enjoying the peace that God provides. Or it could be that you've been lulled to sleep by the comforts and pleasures of this world and the enemy has you tricked and God actually has something so much bigger and so much greater in mind for your life, but you're not even thinking about it because you're just living large and enjoying it. I don't know. could be either one. It's complicated. A lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. If your life is at the bottom left, let's say your life is just crashing down right now. Your circumstances are horrible. Like everything seems like you are like George Costanza. Nothing is going your way, right? And, 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 and your, inner, your inner emotions are all over the place. You don't feel at peace. You're questioning things. You're doubting things. Man, I could spin that one of two ways. I could say, well, that could mean that God is convicting you. And he's trying to get a hold of you because he's got a different path for you. He's got, he has so much more for you and he's trying to convict you. And, and, and I'll say many of your circumstances that are really bad all around you, some of it might be because you were an idiot and you made some dumb choices. And this is just like what happens when you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Or, or I could say that you've made maximum sacrifice and you've lived exactly what God has asked you to do. You're doing exactly what you were created to do, but maximum sacrifice hurts and it doesn't always lead you up and to the right, you might be smack dab in the middle of God's plan for your life doing exactly what you were created to do, but it's just hard right now. I, I don't know. It's complicated. A lot of factors. Depends on who you ask. See, John, John knew who to ask. John knew with a question this big that there's only one person who could really answer it. And John knew where to take this big question of purpose and significance. I had, a, I had a mentor that I linked up with for about a year. This was during a really crazy year of, of our lives. We were getting ready to bring our third child into the world, and we were launching the downtown campus here at Cherry Point at the same time, and it was just, life was crazy. We had moved downtown. It was just, it seemed like everything was insane in life, and so I just needed somebody to kind of help me with some wisdom, and so I asked my buddies, hey, man, if you guys knew of a really good mentor, who would you recommend? And they recommend this guy named Dean. Dean was a world-renowned speaker, author, all this stuff. He said, hey, reach out to him and see if he'd be willing to meet with you every couple weeks. So I reach out to him. He agrees. I'm like, awesome, this is great. As so I start meeting with Dean about every couple weeks and asking him questions. I mean, I'm just peppering him with like, in this situation, what would you do? In this circumstance, what would you do? I'm feeling this way. What do you think about it? And I would just receive his, his counsel, his input, his wisdom. And it was great. But I noticed there were some questions that Dean would not answer. And it really ticked me off. I'd ask him some of these questions and big questions, like some, some big stuff about parenting, some big stuff I was praying through, and some stuff about marriage that I was really trying to figure out, and some stuff about ministry, just big questions. And, and Dean would respond with, to these really big questions. He would always say, hmm, that's a great question, Petey. You should go talk to God about that. Come back and tell me what he says, and we'll talk about it. And I would say, okay, I, I got it. I'll do the Christian thing. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pray, Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, what do you think, Dean? And Dean would say, I think 
you should go talk to God about it. Come back, tell me what he says, and we'll talk about it. See, Dean knew that there were some questions that only God can answer in your life. There's some things that, a, that an Enneagram test can't solve for you. Okay, there's some things that a personality profile cannot solve you. There's some things that your coworkers and your friends and, 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 and the text thread that you always go to can't solve for you. There, there are some things that social media can't solve for you. There's some things that a pastor on a stage cannot solve for you. There's some things that only God can answer in your life. There's some things that only God can settle inside of you. And I'm telling you, when it comes to this question of purpose and significance, only your creator can tell you what you were created for. Only your creator can answer this massive, complicated question. And see, and John knew that. John knew who to take his question to. And, and, and the response he got was such a personalized word from God. It was such a, a personalized message that John would have just, oh, he would have smiled. He'd have been laughing. John would have gone to the grave with, at, with peace and with rest and with confidence. Because the way Jesus answered him, when he said, hey, here's what you do. Go back and tell John, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, and the gospel is being preached to the poor. Go tell him that. When he heard that, oh my gosh, John would have known that Jesus was quoting an Old Testament prophecy that's very near the same prophecy that talked about John's purpose in life. See, it was a personalized message. It was something special from God to God's creation to say, you are right in the middle. I know your life has not gone up and to the right. I know your circumstances are crazy, and I know inside you are struggling, but let me tell you, you are right in the middle. You are right in the middle of my purpose for you. You've sacrificed everything, and you've done exactly what you were created to. You see, only your creator can, can give you that. Only, that's why I think if you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus yet, yet, if you, you're here and you don't know what you believe about God, I think you are in such a special place. Because if you'll keep coming back here, you will learn what it means to have an actual relationship with the God that created you. I'm not talking about a religion, a list of rules to impress a far off distant God that doesn't care about you. No, 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 no. We were created. You and I were created to have a living, active, walking, talking, alive relationship with the God that made us. We were created to wake up and to give love and receive love, to ask for guidance and receive guidance. We, we were created to, to walk and talk with God throughout our day as if he's real and as if he's right here. Because, oh, by the way, he is. You were created for this. And this is how you start to settle some of those big questions in your life. Only God can answer some of this stuff. Only God can settle it in your heart. And I just believe that if some of you would start talking to God about it, if some of you start taking your problems to him first, start talking to God about it, say, God, what do you have to say about this? I think God might tell you what he's already been saying about you behind your back. See, that, that's what John, that's what happened with John here. Come on. John said, hey, am I, am I living my purpose? Yeah, yeah, you are. Go, go. Now, turn to the crowds. Let me talk to you about John for a second. And he starts just lifting John up and encouraging me. See, I think right now, if some of you would start talking to God about what's going on in your life, you might hear from him what he's been telling all of heaven all along. See, I, I, I think God's shutting down heaven at times. He's like, hey, would y'all stop for a second? Would you stop singing? Would you, can we stop for just a second? I want you to look down right now because there's something I want to point out to you. That God's, God's telling the angels and the cloud of witnesses, hey, wait a second, would you look at my daughter for a second? 
Would you look at the greatness? She's in the middle of a marriage where she's not receiving anything from her spouse. She's not being loved the way that she's supposed to be. That guy's kind of off his rocker right now, but look at her. She's faithful. She's committed. She's praying every day. She's treating him like I treat him. She's forgiving him. She's not becoming hard-hearted or bitter. Look at the way she, I mean, she, it's, it's greatness. She, she was made for this. Like all of heaven, stop for a second. Stop, shut it down. Shut it down, angel. Stop singing. Look at my son. Look at how hard he's battling through that addiction. Look at the way he's fighting for his relationship with me. Look at the way he's struggling. Yes, I know he's fallen a few times. Yes, I know he's failed a few times. But look, he's setting up accountability. He's in a group. He's on a team. He's coming to church every week. He's doing what it takes. He's fighting for me. The greatness that I created in him. Oh, he's right in the middle of it. Look at my son. Would you look at my child who's in the middle of a job that they hate? (laughs) Working for a boss who's a jerk. We're working on him, angels. But she's putting her head down, he's putting his head down, and they're in that job as if I'm their boss. Not some punk. They're, they're faithful, and they don't even know why they're in that job. They can't even see what's next. But they're still showing up. And they're still believing. They're still trusting. Look at the faith of my people. Look at the greatness. That even though your life isn't going up and to the right, even though your inner turmoil might just be thick right now. And the doubt is there. I think God might be up in heaven. If you'd start talking to him, he might tell you that, oh, you may actually look more like Jesus than you could ever imagine. You may look more like Jesus than you could ever imagine because, oh, by the way, Jesus was betrayed by his best friends. He was abandoned by his best friends. He was arrested. The God who created the heavens and the earth was arrested He was beaten beyond belief, beyond recognition. He was spit on. He was cussed at. He was forced to carry his own cross up a hill. They nailed him to a cross for the world to mock. And and, and he died a brutal death. Oh, my gosh, that's not up and to the right. That's down, down, crashing down. It's descending, going lower and lower. And then just when it couldn't get even lower, just when you, there's no way you could think that, that Jesus' situation could get worse. He breathes his last breath and he, he descends into the very gates of hell to take on the sins of the world. And then they put his body in a tomb and they roll a stone in front of it because it's over. I don't care how bad your situation is, it ain't nothing like that. But Jesus, though his life was not up and to the right, though his circumstances were horrible, he was right in the middle of the purpose that God had created him for He was descending to greatness. And that might be the same for you. His maximum impact came at a cost of maximum sacrifice. And you might be in a situation where you're making maximum sacrifice and God wants to tell you that you're right where he wants you. But you'll only know that if you talk to God about it. It's complicated. Depends on who you ask. You gotta talk to him. So let me give you some space to start that conversation right now. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, we love you. And uh, we're thankful for your example, for your sacrifice, for paving the way for us to have a relationship with you when you died on the cross. God, this, this whole thing would not be possible if it weren't for you, but because of you, we have access to God. 
and the freedom to have a walking, talking relationship with you, Father. And so we thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd meet us right now in these moments. I pray that anybody in, in the room at, at any of our campuses who's struggling, who, who, who doesn't really know which way is up and which way is down, whose circumstances and turmoil is just all over the place, God, that you'd meet them in these moments. And God, we know that there's, there are many of us that have some things in our lives that need to change, that our lives might not be on track. And God, we're open to that. We're, we're, we're open-handed. We'll do whatever you want us to do. But God, we need to hear it from you. We, we, we need to hear your words right now. God, I pray for anybody in the room that's not sure what they believe about you. They don't, they're not sure where they stand with you. I pray that you give them the words to begin speaking to a God that they don't even yet believe in. And God, I, I, I pray for all of us at every location right now that you would help us to walk and talk with you as if you're really there and to hear and to receive from you as if you're really there because we believe you really are. But none of that will happen until we quiet everything else out and just say, God, speak to us. So right now we come before you and we say that. God, speak to us. We crave your words. We crave your direction in our life. And we surrender to it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.